Good morning, Adonai family. Before we get into this morning's message, I would like us to lift up our voice and give thanks to the Lord for the way he's using us as a church to be a blessing to the people in the U.S. We are part of this church called The Chapel, which was founded by Scott and Tammy Chapman in 1994. They have a large congregation of 5,000 people which are located in seven different campuses. When Scott and Tammy invited us to their home for dinner, we were surprised at the humility and openness in which they shared their lives with us. They were also open to hear what we had to say and learn about the Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. And so after we conducted the conference, the Healing and Deliverance Conference, they heard the testimonies, and then the following week, they invited me to preach to their pastoral team. The presence of the Holy Spirit was so evident amongst us that at the end of the session, Pastor Andy, who's the leading pastor of this church, requests, requested us to do the encounter weekend, which we do at our church. And not only they wanted us to conduct the encounter weekend with them, they want to embrace this as part of their ministry at chapel. So uh, Tammy has uh, requested me to train their ministry team. And so I would request you to kindly pray for their team, for me, and that God will impart as the spiritual gift that will enable them to take this ministry forward. In Romans chapter 1 verse 11, the Apostle Paul said that he went to the Roman church because he longed to see some spiritual gift be imparted to them so that they will be established. So let's lift up our voices and thank God. Let's pray that our time here, the next two months, will be very, very significant, and the grace and the favor of God will be upon any and my life. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for these open doors. We just worship you, Lord, for the way you're using us as a church to be a blessing to the people here and, and, and other nations, Lord. And I just pray that you will continue to use us, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. We trust you, Lord, that even in these upcoming meetings, that these meetings will have a significant impact upon their lives. That, Lord, even after we come back, this ministry will go on, Lord, to see many lives touched, healed, and delivered in Jesus' name. So if you are serious in praying for us, I would like you to pray from next Wednesday onwards. I'm doing the Keys to Victorious Living with a dedicated team in the church. Uh, and then the prayer ministry training will be on the 10th, 11th, and 12th, that weekend, plus 17, 18, and 19, over two weekends, we will do the training. And then probably in October, we will have two encounter weekends open up to people in the church. I really believe that God will use chapel to bring healing and deliverance to thousands of people in this area. So that is it for now. Before I get into this topic, faith versus presumption, I would like you to pray. Just make a short prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you listen to the Word of God. And God will give you revelation and that you would be encouraged. So quickly, take a moment and pray a short prayer. 
asking the Holy Spirit to touch you. You know, I'm sure that all of us have gone through times where we felt the Lord has spoken to us, but later on found out that we were wrong. And that left us feeling very disappointed and let down by God. I still remember the times when I made those mistakes and I felt very disillusioned about it. I thought I heard God. I thought I was doing the right thing, but it turned out to be wrong. It was a mistake. It took me time to recover from that disappointment. And this is a common thing that most Christians go through. These disappointments because uh, happen in our lives because we act on a presumption rather than actually hearing from the Lord. Now, I believe that uh, we need to move on and I want to encourage you that you've, if you've gone through a situation like this, where you thought you heard God, but you missed it, don't let that weigh you down. Don't let it hinder you for the rest of your life. Pick yourself up. Bring it to before God. God understands. Get back to hearing God. Get back to walking in what you sense God is doing. And probably at the end of this message, we will make fewer mistakes than what we have made in the past. Because I feel that this is part of our growing up in our Christian life. It is encouraging to know that we are not the only ones who, made these, who make these mistakes, but the Bible talks about other men who've also made these mistakes. So let's look at our first example in Exodus chapter 17. The children of Israel were going on their journey through the wilderness. They had no water to drink. So what did they do? They're in the wilderness. They fought with Moses. Give me some water. That was their demand. I mean, Moses was in the same difficult position as they were. They were all in the wilderness. But they still chose to fight with Moses, demanding for water in an impossible situation. Look at what the Bible says in Exodus 17, verse 3 to 5. The people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it? You have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst. Hey, they forgot it was the Lord who parted the Red Sea. They forgot how God intervened supernaturally, delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians and slavery. They forgot all of those mighty miracles and now they're blaming Moses. You brought us out. They didn't see God in it. They saw Moses. They wanted someone to, uh, to blame, and they blamed Moses. Says, you brought us out, only for us to die in the wilderness with thirst. So what does Moses do? Verse 4. The, and so Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. Can you imagine a huge crowd rising up against one single man, Moses, wanting to stone him? Their anger was at such a boiling point. And the Lord said to Moses, go before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it 
that the people may drink. Very clear instruction. Very often, our miracle has to do with what we hear from God. And so Moses, in that time of difficulty, heard God, and God said to him, take that rod, strike that rock horror, and water will come out. And so when Moses did it, they all witnessed this wonderful miracle. Water came gushing out of that rock. And for that moment, they were content and they were satisfied. And as we read on in the book of Numbers chapter 20, 21, we find that the children of Israel were in, this, in a similar situation in the wilderness. They stayed at a place called Kadesh, where there was no water for them to drink. So what did they do? They did what they did the previous time. Grumbled, complained, and fought against Moses. Now, come with me to Numbers chapter 20, verse 3. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we have died, had died when, we are, when our brethren died before the Lord, why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die there? They're thinking of death. And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? What a short memory we have when God does things in our life. Our testimony for the moment, and then we quickly forget, and we go back to the grumbling, complaining, and fighting. And that's what happened to the children of Israel. It is not a place of grain, or figs, or vines, or pomegranates, nor there is any water to drink. That was their complaint. Look at Moses' response to them. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. They fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, saying, Take the rod. You and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. So in the previous chapter, God told Moses, take the rock, strike the uh, rock, and water will come out. Similar situation, different strategy. And in this strategy, God is telling Moses, take the rod with you, but speak to the rock, and it will yield water. Thus you shall bring water from them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and the animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly towards, together before the rock. And this is what uh, Moses said to them. Hear now, you rebels. I think Moses just got enough, had enough with them. You know, handling the pressures of uh, a large group of people, uh, listening to their complaints, no matter how many times God intervened in their lives, they went back to the same crumbling attitude. And so Moses, as a human being, was angry and he called them rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his hand. Why did he do it twice? Anger. He was so agitated. He did it twice. God never told him to strike the rock. God told him to speak to the rock. But in his moment of anger, he lost it, and he called them rebels. 
hit the rock twice. Water came out abundantly and the congregation and the animals drank. Fortunately, God still kept his word and water came out of the rock. But here was the, uh, the troubling part for Moses. Yeah, the Lord rebuked Moses and said, because you struck the, uh, the rock, instead of speaking to the rock, God will stop you from getting into the promised land. That was the word that came to Moses. I want to ask you a question. How many times in our emotion we acted on a presumption? Moses presumed that in this similar situation, he needed to do what he did in the previous situation. Total presumption. He, he thought it was just repeat performance. But with God, there's always something different. And this time, the anger got to him. He acted on a presumption. And this is where you and I need to be careful that we don't presume God saying something to us and act on it until we are sure what God has said and the direction he wants to lead us uh, into. I am sharing this message because I know how relevant it is for all of us as Christians. And I too have made my mistakes. In fact, I made my mistake even last year when I had my back problem and you know there's my back situation, what happened? Now, let me tell you something that I never shared with you before. I had this uh, bulging disc. Doctors told me to take bed rest. I took a couple of weeks bed rest. There was still tightness in my back and I thought to myself, how long can I rest? And I began to relive all the miracles and the healings that God did with people with back problems. And I mean, Real miracles, instant miracles, but I told them, you know, why don't you run? Why don't you jump? God's healing you. And I relived those moments and I thought to myself, if I could tell them to bend and to do things and God heal them, why can't I do it and trust God for a miracle? And that was the state of my mind. It was out of my frustration that I had to be on, on bed rest. And so... That was the moment I decided to do the splits and it affected my back even further that I needed to get that bone which was chipped, taken out. Now, I learned a valuable lesson once again. Never act on a presumption. Never presume something just because it happened in someone else's life or happened to you in a different situation. Don't do it. I want to show you another example of another person who acted on a presumption and had a lot to lose. 1 Samuel 13, 6 to 12. When the people of Israel saw that they were in danger, this is, the, this is at the time when King was Saul, uh, sorry, when Saul was king over Israel for two years, the Philistines gathered together to fight against Israel. Look at the army the Philistines had. They had 30,000 30, chariots, 6,000 horse, horsemen, and people who were like sand on the seashore. They came against the people of Israel. And Saul, when he saw that they were in danger, the Bible says that the people were distressed. 
What do they do? Hidden caves and thickets and rocks and holes and anywhere they hid because they were fearful of the enemy. In 1 Samuel 13, verse 7 and 8, as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people following him trembled in fear. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. Samuel the prophet told him after seven days he will come and he will meet with them. He waited. Samuel didn't turn up. People began to scatter from him. And then in verse 9 and 10, Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now he was a king. A king shouldn't do the duty of a priest. Samuel told him he's going to come a week later. But because of his fear and what was happening to his army, he did something that God never told him to do. Burn an offering, a peace offering. Verse 10, now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Mishmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come out down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled. He was compelled in his emotions and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done something foolish. Done something foolish. You know, please hear me carefully. How often in our emotions we make the wrong decisions? We feel compelled. We feel driven in our emotions. Something is going to happen, so let's do it quickly. And we land up with making all the wrong decisions. And the most dangerous ones are the ones where we presume that God is in it when he's not. And that's exactly what happened to Saul. And as a result, Samuel the prophet said, you know, your, your kingdom would have been established. But because you have done this, your kingdom will be removed from you. So this is another significant man in the Bible who lost a battle, lost his position as a king, all because he acted on a presumption rather than on faith waiting. Let's look at another incident in the New Testament. Did this happen in the New Testament? It did. Acts chapter 19 verse 11 to 17. Here we see how God used the Apostle Paul to do unusual miracles by his hands. Even handkerchiefs and aprons that was on his body were put on the sick and disease left them and evil spirits departed from the people. Now that was an amazing demonstration of God's power to the Apostle Paul. Now look at the presumption that happened with some of the Jewish priests. Verse 13. Then some of the itinerant, that means the traveling Jewish exhausters, exhaust those who cast out demons, took it upon themselves. Listen to those words. They took it upon themselves. They said, they're going to do this, to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, we exorcise you by the name, of, by the name Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now listen to this carefully. 
They didn't have spiritual authority. They didn't have a relationship with Christ. But they took it upon because they saw what God did in the Apostle Paul's life and they came to a conclusion, if we say those same words, take the name of Jesus, we should see the same result. Doesn't that sound familiar even today? Try to copy someone else's prayer. We think it works on a strategy. It does not. And so these priests, they said in the name of Jesus whom Paul preached, not their revelation, not their experience, but whom Paul preached. Look at what the evil spirit in them answered and said. Jesus I know, Paul I know. Who are you? Who are you? Then the men in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. What an embarrassing situation because they acted on a presumption. Church, I want you to listen to me carefully. We can take for granted the presence of God. We can take for granted in doing things, hoping and believing God is with us even when we've not gained specific directions from the Lord. And that's when we get ourselves into all sorts of complications and problems. One last situation, and then I'll give you the solution of how to avoid walking in presumption. We see this in Matthew chapter 19, verse 13 to 15. The people brought little children to Jesus so that Jesus will lay his hands on them and pray for them. What did the disciples do? Rebuke them. Go away. You're disturbing Jesus. Take your children. Don't, don't, don't come here. Verse 14. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. They thought that the children were a hindrance to Jesus' ministry and to what he was doing. Acted on a presumption. Jesus rebuked them. He says, no, let the children come to me. Do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and then departed from Never, never think we know what God wants to do in our lives. That's why when you rely on your human logic or reasoning, we can so often fall into the trap of presuming that God is with us and this is what we need to do. So here's the solution. How do we avoid making these decisions? How do we avoid making this mistake of walking in, our, in what we presume rather than walking in faith. Here's the first point. Never. This has been a golden rule for many, many years in my life. Never, ever make a decision based on your emotions. You're going through a difficult time. You're going through a, a, a challenging moment of fear or, or anxiety. Be at peace. Calm your emotions. Because you could land up like Saul. In the midst of fear, you could do something that will cost you uh, the blessing. And so, be careful. Soothe your emotions. Come to a place of rest. Call someone. Talk to someone spiritual. Talk to your cell group leader. Help. They will help you pray together uh, through the situation. But bring your emotions under control. Learn to look at situations subject, uh, objectively, not subjectively. Second one, don't take God for granted. 
Don't take him for granted that it's okay. It should be all right. You know, learn to inquire from the Lord. And that's what the Psalmist 27, 4 says. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that one that I will seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, inquire in his temple. Always ask the Lord to speak. Always ask the Lord to give you direction, give you clues, help you understand what he has in store for you. You know, when uh, you don't take God for granted, you will ask God to speak to you, not only in your spirit, but in the word. The word is a very good test. God's speaking through his word. What is God's word saying regarding your situation? You can probably talk to someone spiritual in the church. One of the pastors or, or, or the, the, the leader, and you're not happy, talk to someone. Say, look, this is it. This is what I feel. Am I on the right track? You know, when you talk to someone, always be prepared. It could be a no. That's a good place. That's a good indication. But if you're talking to someone, and if you're reading the Bible, hoping that God will say yes, there itself, you made the mistake. Your emotions are not yet settled. You're still holding on hoping it will be yes. And so what happens in our deception, in, in us being deceived, or wanting to, God to say yes, we will read everything as yes. Don't do that. The third one, never base your decisions on carnality. There's a difference between a good idea and a God idea. Previous Sunday, I spoke about Gideon. Gideon had a good idea. Gather a large men of people, prepare them for battle, and face the enemy. That's a good idea. That's an idea that suits us fine. But God had a different idea. Reduce the army, trust more in God rather than your ability. God says, I will give you victory. That's a God idea. The more you are in a relationship with God where you're trusting him for your circumstances, the more at peace you will be. The more reliant you'll be on God rather than you trying to work it out. When you're in that place, you're in a very healthy place. You're in a very secure place. You will probably avoid making decisions on a presumption. Here's the verse I'd like to close with in James chapter 3 verse 15. This wisdom is not such as comes, as comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and even devilish. There's a wisdom that comes down from God, and there's a wisdom that comes from the enemy. And you can read this in, in James chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Verse 14 talks about a wisdom that comes from God. And this verse 15 talks about a wisdom that comes from the devil. What it is? It is earthly, it's based on reasoning of what others do. It's unspiritual, there's no sense of God and, and trusting in God, and it so is the enemy. So, I trust that this word would have eased the guilt and the burden that you've carried, that God spoke to you, and it never happened. Look at the number of people, and there are more. In the examples in the Bible where people thought they heard God and missed it. So we're all in the same boat. Please, the grace of God is upon our lives. May you be encouraged in the, with this morning's message. 
May you find your strength in God. Keep an open heart. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. The more vulnerable, the more available you are to do God's will, the better it is for your life. God bless you. Have a great week. And I trust that uh, you will be in a place to pray for us uh, during the, these the next two weeks and also encourage one another. Goodbye. God bless.